Yes, guys, what is good? You are tuned into Pi Radio, Manchester's number one youth-led radio station. My name's Gerns, and welcome back to Mango Masala, the South Asian show. I'm joined here by Simran via stream. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Sorry, oh my god, I just forgot about my AirPods. Is it working? Yeah, it's definitely working. How are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. How are you? Oh, okay, cool. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, just running around today. For those of you that don't know, today is yet another um, Pi Radio event. Like, you know, like DJ Khaled when he's like, another one. And also like, you know, that video of that old lady voting when she's like, not another one. Like the Bristol one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Another one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But, yep, tonight, BEC Arena or Beck Arena, as all of the artists are calling it in their promo videos. Um, in Stratford, if you haven't got your tickets yet, I think they're still available to purchase, and also there's some on the door. Um, Davido's going to be there, Focalistic, um, Devon Gogo, all of them, Jazzy Q. I, I'm learning all these names, guys. I don't even know that much about my piano. I'm learning all these artists' names, and from what I understand, oh yeah, that Casper as well. I know he's doing bits as well. So basically, it's going to be a really good time. And you should definitely head down to Bowler's Exhibition Centre tonight if you don't have any other plans. Um, Simran, seeing as you're in down south, will allow your lack of attendance for now. Sorry. Yeah, but you'll be still be partying down there. But that's actually one of the first things that I wanted to talk about, actually, is the other day when we were having a conversation, you were talking about, obviously, you are moving to nottingham soon to do your masters Mm -hmm. and you were saying about how you're a bit more apprehensive about moving to nottingham compared to liverpool so do you want to just like delve into that a bit i think the main reason well the main place where that stems from is because where i'm from everybody goes to those kinds of areas around the midlands or like london for uni um no one really ventures out and i did my undergrad in liverpool which was like a very uncommon place to go to. So like a lot of people always react a bit funny when I say Liverpool, they're like, whoa, like that's that's kind of crazy. Like that's really far and stuff. And I went there and didn't know anyone. And it was very like, um, I use the word safe to describe it in that there's like nothing really gets back to anyone. Like not that any, not that you even do anything or anything should be getting back or like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. But um, like whatever happens there, like it doesn't follow you anywhere. Um, whereas, in places like uh, Nottingham and Birmingham, I feel like um, it's a kind of place where like gossip is encapsulated and they become places where like that kind of stuff can spread quite quickly and they that kind of stuff can follow you home. And like, I've already been told by people to like be careful because there's always people that you know and there's always like eyes on you. And I'm like, that's just crazy that that's how it works in, in certain areas. I'm sure like Liverpool and areas like that must also have its, um, must also have that for it as well, especially for people that live close to Liverpool, like, you know, went to school there or live um, places close by. Um, but yeah, I think that's why I'm a little bit apprehensive. But at the end of the day, I've got a master's to do, so I don't think it will be like too, too um, involved in that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I've just had like a couple of warning conversations with people, just saying like, just you have to, you have to just be a bit more like uh, aware of your surroundings. Interesting. Well, like you say, I suppose for the most part, you're going to be in the library concentrating on your masters 
Correct. Yes, that's exactly. Yes, Carlos. All your time. Yeah. See, if Elima <laughs> was here, she'd be saying, uh, "Yeah, I did all my work like the night before." Blah blah blah. I know. Yeah. Um, shout out to Halima, by the way, whose birthday it is tomorrow, so she's having a fun Ooh. time to celebrate that currently. So, yeah, I'm glad that she's having her Big quarter, two five. Yeah, quarter life crisis before I am. So, <laughs> test the waters. You're next. Yeah, I've got a month. It's all right. Well, maybe I'll work out a way to elongate time before then. Fingers crossed. Anthony's going to invent time bending. Yep. Just, just so, so he doesn't have to experience like 25. Uh, you know what? I actually don't mind. Like, I've said it. I already feel like 25 anyway. Like, I don't think it's that big. Yeah, you, you weren't that, that crisis-y on that episode that we spoke about this. Yeah, I think it's more Halim, which is probably she needs the episode off to kind of just gather herself in preparation <laughs> gather herself. i'm i'm anticipating now this like long rant thing that she says that she posts every year oh maybe yeah. rant's not the word or like the long kind of texting that she does and posts mm -hmm. on her i don't know her instagram yeah i'm excited to see that actually should be have you seen those before in the past no like i so i knew of halima before manga masala just because i knew that there was this very extravagant girl that went to my girlfriend's um, old school and she's very like with it and was posting all on social media and that but I didn't actually know I didn't have her on socials or anything like that so I haven't actually mm -hmm. seen any of these um posts yet but yeah I'm very keen to get into that but, yeah yeah I'm excited to see what she has to say for this a quarter life crisis I think is going to be a long one <laughs> she's going to be complaining all the way until she's 50 I know yeah I mean, you have to listen to it every Saturday, three to five. Yep, that's correct. But going back to you, um, obviously you've had these warnings per se. Have that has that phased you at all, or are you just a bit like I already kind of expected that? I think it's phased me to the point that I am now a little bit nervous. But I think just going into it with an open mind, just being friendly. And like, I know I'm not going to do anything to annoy anyone because I'm not really that kind of person anyway. Um, I just think it's very easy to step on people's toes and like people can get quite touchy about things. And I just think that's something that I'm just going to avoid. And at the, at the end of the day, I'm only there for a year. I think what I wanted to do by bringing up this um, topic in today's show was almost like, as a point of advice is just make, make sure that people know that like going into a uni where you might be a bit afraid that like gossip might travel or people there might um, treat you a certain way or something like that is just to let it run, like let, let, let that go over your head. Like it's just water off your back at that point because you're only at uni for three years and that through those three years not only goes by really, really, really fast, but also it's such a small part of your like entire life and those people aren't going to follow you around forever. Yeah. And the, the nature of gossip is that something might happen on a Monday. I swear by like Wednesday, it's, it's, there's something new. Everyone's onto the next big thing. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's so fleeting. The nature of it is so fleeting. And but only because it might involve you at one point in your life that it becomes such a big deal. It can become quite consuming. It's very easy to overthink, but you have to remember that people are just moving on to the next big thing that happens. So in like the space of like 48 hours, you know, it's, it's gone and done. Like, and it's no, it's nothing that you need to overthink or be particularly stressed out about because obviously at the end of the day, while uni is a really fun experience and we're out of COVID, so we all should be enjoying ourselves. But at the same time, 
we're getting, we're also here to get something done. That's to get a degree. Yeah. So you know, you have to put yourself first and not worry about stuff like people talking or what how this might affect your reputation or it following you home or anything like that. As long as you're safe, sensible, and respectful. Yeah. I Do think, you? I think that that would be the main thing that people might be worried about is the idea of it following them home because I feel like for non I think basically for like white people essentially from white communities it's very much that that will probably stay at uni like it won't travel back mm-hmm. it's not like if something happens at uni it'll like travel back through all the white people all the way back to mm-hmm. wherever they they've come from city wise whereas like for example you're saying um someone who goes to nottingham um, the communities are so tight knit and everyone talks to everyone so much that there is the possibility of even if it's just gossip getting back to people that you actually care mm-hmm. about but i suppose that's the thing if you've got you've got to kind of accept that is kind of one of the almost negative things like it's a positive that the communities are so tight knit but it's a negative in that this gossip does like spread and it is a bit of a ooh ah sort of thing but at the end of the day people are so used to hearing that sort of gossip anyway and like you say it's so fleeting that it probably will be Mm -hmm. like no one will think about it the next time or they might bring it up in the future but then it's like the people that bring that are always looking for something you know what i mean like exactly and you're always going to have people that are looking out for you to take an l looking out for you to fail at something or to um embarrass yourself and that's another thing about embarrassing yourself things are only embarrassing if you let it embarrass you like even something really simple as like falling over or something it's only embarrassing if you let it be embarrassing and stuff like people who gossip and want to bring things up that are like happened months and months ago um that's on them you know that's that reflects way more about them as a person than it does about you because you've moved on with your life and you're getting on with things and they want to stay stuck in the past yeah clearly they have too much time on their hands mm-hmm, exactly yeah and it kind of goes like the same thing goes for like when people talk about online trolls and stuff like that. It's like it reflects way more about the person making comments or bringing things up than the person who they're actually talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all, it's all part of the same thing. It's like even if these people don't necessarily have loads of time on their hands, they are taking the time to do that, which in itself is a bit like it's sad you might as well you it's much better you just simply sitting there and doing nothing than taking the effort to do that because by taking the effort to making the effort to do that you are actually hurting someone as opposed to just sitting there doing nothing just gaining some kind of inner peace you know what i mean like people don't take enough time to actually just sit there and just not do anything and you can just rest Mm -hmm. just take a break rather than going but focus on yourself exactly yeah but Yeah. yeah obviously do you have a date for when you're going to nottingham uh 20th so nine days mm-hmm. so probably a few days after <coughs> next week's episode but hopefully wish you all the best for that and thank yeah, you no. yeah like i said i'm nervous but i think it might also just be stuff to do with like obviously moving to a completely different city like i'm very accustomed to my university experience being in liverpool being in the north and like associated also quite heavily now with you guys um in manchester so i feel like i'm very attached to like the north and that part of the country like as you guys know um and i already said to my mom i was like when i start job hunting i'm looking for jobs in the north like i'm not ruling it out at all um so I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a very big difference. I always said one place that I would never want to live is like the Midlands. 
it's just never appealed to me. Like, sorry if you're from the Midlands and you're listening to this, but it's just, for me, it wasn't really my, not my ends. Um, it was either going to be down here or up north, always. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be interesting because obviously it will be a different uni, different city, completely different vibe. The demographic of people I'm not ready for um, is going to be crazy. Like, even yesterday we went out in London and there were so many Asians in the club and I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. I was like, I've never seen this many brown people in one room unless it's a wedding. Oh, it's, yeah. It was so crazy. Because you'd be so used to the club scene in Liverpool. Yeah. Um, so I feel like my whole, like, growing up experience in terms of university which I did a lot of growing up during university I became a totally different person um I associate very heavily with Liverpool as a city and I feel like going through the same thing but in a different place is going to be eye-opening and like it's going to be a completely different learning experience in itself it's going to be a test in a good way yeah well no, I'm looking forward to it for you and I do like hearing you sing the North's praises as well. We're always here for that. So yeah, more of that, please. I'm <laughs> going to play a bit of music. Do you know what? Uh, okay. Oh, go sorry. On. Go on before we have the music. Do you know now. what? It was literally, I would say within two or three nights of my first freshers, like in 2018. And I was literally like, this is the city. I was like, I love it here. I was like, this is home. I was like, I've never felt more like, home in a place like even more than I do in Slough like and then it just went on that like I just appreciate Liverpool so much I don't know what it is about that city but I'm it's I'm in love with it like it's magical um like all my friends hate me because I bang on about it like when I was there I used to bang on about how much I loved it when we used to go out and meet people I would just sit there and talk about how much I love it there like and how much I hated it in London like <laughs> so yeah there you go all scousers listening big up to you yeah they're good people <laughs> yeah we're gonna get a little bit more serious now um obviously i think 99 percent of people listening will probably know today is the 11th of september 2021 which means that it has been 20 years since the 9 11 twin tower attacks so first of all obviously offering our condolences to any families or friends that were affected by this tragedy anyone who lost anyone anyone who was injured etc um yeah just thoughts go out with you today um but one thing that i did want to talk about today was the people that don't necessarily get offered those condolences when they're um they've been affected by this tragedy but just not in the actual um, twin towers um itself twin towers collapsing itself so basically what i'm talking about is the um racist backlash that occurred following the collapse of the twin towers and how many people have lost their lives or been attacked or traumatized um due to um islamophobic or just racist um attacks that have come their way in light of 9-11 um Obviously, 9-11 itself was such a um, tragedy in itself, but a lot of people don't realise that it rep- it was a double tragedy for, like, a lot of people. A lot of people saw obviously saw it as a tragedy in that they saw American citizens being killed, but then they also saw it as a tragedy because people who looked like them were then being attacked mm-hmm. um, twofold following that. So I don't know if you have any initial thoughts on this, Simran. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, obviously, condolences to anybody that has been affected or, uh, you know, would know someone that was involved in 9-11, which obviously was a massive tragedy. Um, my, like, 
I don't know about you, Carlos, but I have no recollection of it. Obviously, I was like two. So you must have been like four or five. Um, yeah, so it was obviously because it was September. It was actually like just as I was starting primary school. And mm-hmm. I don't know whether it, this is like, you know, when stuff's like, you don't know if you remember it or if, it, or if it's just people have told you it. But apparently, yeah. like, you know, when you first start primary school, you do those like half days where like you go in. Mm-hmm. And come back that's it so apparently i'd been in in the morning so i i'd like come back from school and then just turned on the tv to watch like tweenies or something and literally it was like the plane going into the tower or something and apparently i just started like drawing oh, it. i just started like drawing it apparently <laughs> so yeah oh um, my yeah but yeah obviously but obviously it's weird because i think even for you as you say you don't necessarily have that recollection of in any sense of it it's still it's still like even if it didn't affect you it's it's been made into such like a a a pivotal moment in history i think because Mm -hmm. i think because obviously it's a tragedy that has mass affected people in the west if i'm being honest i think that is why it's been made into what it is today because obviously it's horrible but the, the fact is, horrible stuff happens to people around the world everywhere, but this has happened to people in America, the like the big dog mm-hmm. of the entire world, basically. So obviously it's going to sting more for them, and therefore it kind of has that shockwave effect of like everyone else, therefore kind of feels like... Like, I remember watching a video, and it was, um, what's, like, the first big thing you can remember happening? And it was one of those ones where they have someone aged, like, zero to a hundred answering it. And mm-hmm. um, literally, most of the people who were like aged like zero to twenty just said like yeah nine eleven like that like it's it's mad like it is it it's it's its own thing really like yeah it was it was such a keystone event I think for America as a society and also our country as a society and like you said the West in general because of I think if if I'm correct like um. It's the first event that happened of its kind, obviously back in 2001. Um, we'd never seen anything like that before and it kind of changed the nature of terrorism as we knew it. And then, but what obviously you spoke about is the aftermath of it became, becoming this like race fueled backlash of America almost fighting back, which turned into like uh, whites versus anyone who they deemed to be someone that was a terrorist basically and it turned into like mass worldwide and such violent islamophobia that turned that became so rife and so like a potent across the nation across the world um stemming from white people because they thought that this was reparations for 9-11 it became it became like um people were seeking revenge which translated into 20 years later we're still looking at islamophobic hate crimes islamophobic um abuse being spewed out like online and in person and then obviously coming from a uh, Sikh background um the whole thing with like a lot of people confusing Sikhs for Muslims and a lot of people um then you know directing their islamophobic hate towards Sikhs as well and even though like it's not about oh, we're not Muslims, so don't do this. It's just about, you know, don't do this, period, because, um, well, first of all, it's ignorant to get them com- to, the two confused. But second of all, it's like I said, it's nothing to do with... Um... Oh, sorry, I've just lost you. It's got nothing to do with... Um... 
Sikhs versus Muslims or anyone versus uh, Muslims. It's about the fact that you're inciting hate yeah, and being racist. Definitely. And um, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because I did I did like a little bit of like looking into this. And apparently the first um, on record person who lost their life as a result of the aftermath of 9-11 mm-hmm. was actually Sikh. And apparently the sad, yes. yeah, the sad thing is apparently they were like actually paying their condolences and they were proper getting involved in like the effort afterwards to actually help mm-hmm. after 9-11. Yeah. I think- yeah, this is the thing. I think a lot of people like when when a lot of hate got directed towards Sikhs, it wasn't, it's very easy for us to be like, oh, we're not Muslim, so don't do this. It's not because we're not Muslim. It's just about not doing this. It's not, we don't care that you've gotten us confused while that is ignorant. It's just about the fact that there, this hate shouldn't be spreading either way. Yeah. And I think that first person, like, obviously, rest in peace, but that first person who got killed uh, as a result of Islamophobic hate, it became the, like, brand of it to be a turban and a beard, which is obviously a very common theme in both religions and in South Asian culture in general. Mm. Um, so it became a thing but that, that was what people would seek out and unfortunately translated into like very mixed messages across like the south asian community people would just get confused with who was sikh or who was muslim and at that point i don't even think the people that were doing the crimes even cared they wanted reparations they wanted revenge for something that was out of their control in the first place while tragic was out of their control and you know as an individual you can't seek revenge for something on that scale Mm, i think it's because it just became 20 years of yeah Sorry, gone. I think it's because the photos that they used of Osama bin Laden after the terrorist attack mm-hmm. clearly showed him wearing a turban and wearing a beard. So that became like the literal face. Like, because mm-hmm. the thing is, if you ask people about 9-11, no one will ever actually say anything about like the hijackers, which were from all like over i think they were most of them were of um, middle eastern descent if i'm not wrong but they were from various locations in terms of where they had um, grew up etc but the face of 9-11 is osama bin laden that's like what people mm-hmm. think of and the photos that they the media were circulating were always um, him wearing his um, turban and with his long beard and i think that's the reason why um ignorant people just latched onto that and unfortunately that's why that obviously translated into so many Sikhs getting yeah. mistaken and again like we're saying obviously if people had been obviously if people had been targeting Muslims that looked like this that would not be okay in the slightest anyway mm-hmm. but in regards to them targeting Sikhs as well I think that's how that came about basically yeah, which is not only incredibly ignorant, but it's just, it's so beyond me at that point to think we're 20 years down the line and this kind of stuff hasn't stopped. And it, I feel like, especially, when was it? Like 2017, 18, where like att- attacks were quite rife in this country. Mm. It was almost like every other week something was happening, like with Manchester or uh, things in London or even, um, and then there was one in Reading, like there's like even in um kind of not even like really hot locations. Um that it became like almost a tit for tat kind of thing. Like this war on terror that we've been pursuing from the UK and the US in the last 20 years has now become this thing where you look at the state of Afghanistan right now and everyone pulling out. And then you look at stuff like, you know, what was happening in 2017, 18 time, Mm. that those two summers where like 
Um, there was always attacks happening. I just think the state of the post 9-11 aftermath has just been brutal. Yeah, and obviously there's a whole other conversation which we don't necessarily have time to go into about mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. in which the powers that be then decided to tackle yeah. quote-unquote terrorism. Um, but I think the main effect of the way that they went about that is that a lot of um, people of South Asian descent or people that looked a certain way um, did feel the need following 9-11 to change their appearance in order to assimilate the best that they could, which is really sad, yeah. I think, especially for um, Sikh people um, as well. Obviously, like the hair, obviously, I- I'm not going to speak on it, but like it means a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so we believe in the five Ks in Sikhi, and one of them is Gis, which means hair. Um, and that's something that we believe is sacred to not like have a cut or alter and to keep it the same way that we were born with it, as in the way that God made it. Um, therefore, it's a very integral part to being a practicing Sikh. And I think people like having to see people alter that and you know put that to the side just for concerns over their own safety and um to parallel that you know women removing the hijab because of the same reasons like it's it's incredibly it's incredibly devastating Mm -hmm. especially when that in itself represents something so like sacred in itself like Mm -hmm. it's not it's you know, like the hijab obviously gets associated so much with this idea of oppression, wrongly so, mm-hmm. um, and it's just so sad because it, it really it means so much to the people that actually choose to wear it, and they're being forced, whether it's by law or the, or just by pressure, to just remove this that means so much to them. It's just so sad to see, and it's sad to see that people don't really care that enough about it, but. Yeah, I just had a look as well into the um, the like basically levels of attacks against um, Muslims as well, and in the year between two thousand and two thousand nine, hate crimes against Muslims spiked by five hundred percent. However, it actually wasn't in two thousand and one when assaults against against Muslims peaked, but it was in twenty sixteen. And that was the year that Donald Trump took office and was obviously, he did the whole Muslim ban. Ah. Yeah. So, this obviously this kind of shows that 2016, five years ago, how much has changed? Not that much, like... Not a lot. Yeah, so... And we can look at a lot of international policies that have been very outwardly Islamophobic, not only Donald Trump with the Muslim ban, but look at France with like their bans on um i want to say the burqa and like the clothing and stuff and like being very repressive of uh, muslim women and not them being able to express their religious identity um you look at like things that have happened in this country with in terms of um i was gonna say like the football but like that's one example of it of just racism in general but then here like the amount of hate crimes that happen or the amount of women i know that are like um remove the hijab out of concerns for their safety like it's terrifying it is mad. Just going back to the French thing as well, I've never understood it. Like, like mm-hmm. even 
you know, like it doesn't mean that it's right, but you can understand the illogical logic that that people are using when they're saying that oh the hijab is oppressive blah 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 like and they want to remove mm -hmm. it you can understand why people are coming to that incorrect conclusion However, but that's so delved in your western idea of what a woman or what a woman should look like and how a woman should express herself we're in this weird we're in a weird part of society society now where i think people think that women exposing their bodies and like you know being more liberal with what they wear is like sexual expression and sexual freedom and freedom of identity but that's not always the case and in especially eastern cultures it's actually the opposite and when you see that in a western environment people get shocked and for some reason outraged but really real liberation of freedom comes from expressing yourself any way that you'd like to any way that you feel the most comfortable exactly and like even if you were going to like understand their their like basic view of it that that does it still doesn't translate to why for example they want to charge the um, burkini like literally what like I, I it just i just get lost words every time i think about it because i'm just like why are you telling someone oh you're covering up too much at the beach like it it, it just what like what is it to you, honestly? Like, who 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 is in charge of putting in a policy like that? And also, it's so outwardly Islamophobic that they didn't even try to cover it up. They didn't even try to make it like a blanket ban or try and like sugarcoat it in any way. They literally just said, "No, you're not wearing that." Yeah, and I think again, I don't know. Obviously, we're speaking as um twenty something, so we've kind of grown up, like we said, with nine eleven being like the first, mm -hmm. like big thing that happened um at the beginning of our lives but it does there is a feeling at least on my part that since 9-11 kind of gave everyone the excuse to be the way that they're being like it's wrong of course but i think it's kind of used as a way to justify doing this or doing that i mean that's how we ended up in the whole Afgan afghanistan situation is it was like oh afghanistan is um, keeping osama bin laden let's go and occupy it like yeah i and honestly i wouldn't be surprised because obviously the late 90s were like a, a few decades after britain left the majority of the places that they've colonized and i don't know it just it just it strikes me that the obviously these superpowers that like kind of controlled the world had lost power and their ability to kind of be like you do this you do that and then this happens and now it's kind of like okay we got to leech onto that mm -hmm. so that we can actually like this is why we're doing it like it, it's such a accepted like excuse like it like literally have all these like people yeah about, yeah our boys in afghanistan it's just like yeah, but what are they actually doing like you know what i mean like it's the sense of nationalism and patriotism in america that puts people behind like the moral values back the people that are inciting violence in the east now as a reparation for 9-11 because i think 9-11 was such a turning point not only for obviously i'm speaking to someone who's two when this happened so i can't really i don't know that much about like pre-9-11 but it was a turning point for like how fast news travels, I think. And also like the fact that America is not exempt. It's not like this powerhouse and safe haven for these things that are not to happen. And these these like depraved events can only happen in like Middle Eastern um, countries or in Asia and Africa and stuff like that. Like that's not how it works. I think it was a very big um, eye opener 
for the American people, but in the wrong way, in that it turned into so the incitement of so much violence and it was like nationalist backed violence because america is a country founded on its nationalism its patriotism like everything is about the freedom of the land and like you know they pledge allegiance to the flag which still is beyond me um they're all like they're inherently patriotic americans so if you want to make them believe something you just believe they're doing it for the good of their country Mm. and they'll back it with their heart I think that's the same with Britain in the sense of like we want our rights back, we want this, we want that. Like mm-hmm. I think people struggle to they struggle to like dissimilate they struggle to change. I think that's what it is. They struggle with the idea of things being different from what they are um grown up thinking the way that they should yeah. be. And then like yeah, but again, gonna digress if we get into that. But gonna play a little bit more music now um and this track um simmering it was your one requested this week so i presume is this your favorite um, track from clb or i think so i think this is my favorite i'm trying to think of the other one that i like now the 21 savage one um i like that one i like the, obviously the future one um yeah i but probably this is my favorite one because i think it's the easiest to listen to i don't oh man you know i don't think i like clb as much as i did two weeks ago I've gone off it. It's one week, isn't it? Has it only been a week? Yeah, it's only been a week. Since we had HP on? Yeah, HP was last week. Oh, it's only been a week? Yeah. Oh, okay, well, I think, I think I've gone off it. I think I genuinely only like three songs on it. Mm, well, that's what he was saying, wasn't he? He was saying he thinks that Donda was a lot better orchestrated and put together and thought gone into it, etc. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I agree. But I did the poll on my story and CLB won by a landslide. Mm. However... Which which surprised me. Mm. I don't know. I don't want to generalise. However, I would feel that if the majority of your following is Asian girls, they would be more likely to go with Drake <laughs> than Kanye. Just, in my opinion, I think that's what would happen personally i think uh the split of voters was pretty equal in terms of gender i think it was a lot i think it was pretty equal male and female yeah. but i think it was like 80 20 clb to donda okay wow okay that's that doesn't explain things to them no i was just yeah i just i just but I, I mean i'm surprised because it was such a wipeout but i'm not surprised because like i said a week ago that drake makes very consumable music it's very easy to listen to it's very like user friendly it's you know there's there's nothing offensive or you know even hard to understand about drake's music it just is what it is it's laid bare it sounds good you know 40's an incredible producer so there's nothing you can really go wrong with like i said it's very formulated it's like he followed a template with clb which is why i think it's his worst album in my in my opinion um but at the end of the day, it's a Drake album. You can't expect, like, you know, something that's going to be completely groundbreaking and new, which is what I think Donda is. Like, I've got a lot of respect for Donda as an album. Like, as an actual piece of music, I respect it a lot more than CLB because, like I said, CLB just seems very, like, label-backed. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree. Like, even as someone that's not, like, majorly... I'm not like a major Drake or Kanye fan, but I agree in the sense that I feel like Drake needs to switch it up if he's going to continue to be respected for his actual artistry rather than just being successful. But... Yeah, and he doesn't need to stop saying cringy things. Like he, some some bars are just straight up questionable. 
any in this song? You know the one we're talking about. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. This one, no, I don't think so. Thames Thames really carries this song. Like Thames really carries this song. And I, I've now grown like a lot of love for Thames, that she's such a good artist. Um yeah, she carries this song. Yeah, this is um Essence, by the way, if I haven't said it already. Essence. No, Essence is the other Thames song with Wizkid. Yeah, Sorry. Fountains. Get it together, Simbri. This is Fountains. This is Fountains by Drake and Thames. But yeah, we, Essence is a good song as well. Yeah. Essence is also a good song, also by Thames. Coming up to our special guest interview of this week, which was with Karish Mua. I don't know, if, is that how you pronounce it, or Karish Mua? Um, Christian, yeah, anyway, sure. Mua, same thing. Yeah, um, but for those of you that don't know, she is a makeup artist slash influencer slash small business owner. She's on Instagram at Karish MUA, and I think she has another one as well, doesn't she? I think Karish the MUA. It's Karish the MUA, yeah. Yeah, um, and she's basically, I mean, she's already got like a mass following, but she went a little bit viral um, last week because... Well, we'll let you find out, but basically involved a little bit of a disagreement with um, Priya from Love Island, which obviously, it's very, it was all very interesting, isn't it, Simran? It was interesting. It was very eye-opening. Mm. Um, it's like this kind of thing that I knew always happened in the industry, but I didn't realise the extent to which it happened or how common it was. Um yeah, it was very eye-opening, and I think it was refreshing for me to hear it from her directly as well. It wasn't just, like, the way the TikToks were laid out, which were, like, a bit more upfront with it. It was actually nice to hear it explained out in full, yeah. in, like, obviously a very respectful way. Mm -hmm. And obviously you guys are going to hear that soon. Just around half past, we're going to be playing that little interview for you that Simran did um, earlier this week. But before then, we've just got about five minutes. So, Simran... I know this is a very boring topic, but what are your thoughts on the um, decision that, well, they've voted it's, it's going to happen now, that to raise, um, what's it called, national insurance? Oh, God, yeah, I heard about this, and I just want to preface this with saying I'm not an economist and I don't know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I think, like, for someone that hasn't worked enough to get taxed, because all my jobs have been, like, retail jobs over the summer and like on weekends and stuff I don't actually make that much money um like coming into the fact that I will be working probably this time next year and like well hopefully at least um and having to like you know live off a salary and stuff at that point the, that's when the idea of tax starts scaring me and how much of it you lose to tax so the fact that it's gone up and I don't even get a chance like, yeah, it's, it's, it's terrifying. Just yeah. cash loss everywhere. The fact that it's in national insurance, which obviously gets taken from pretty much everyone, right? Like, I think, mm -hmm. like you were saying, I think it's above um, 12K currently yeah. per year that you have to earn before it starts. You start getting the basic income tax, I believe. Mm -hmm. But then national insurance, I know, because I see that little, why is that little deduction from my... Um, um, pay slip every month what is that there's yeah. natural insurance but yeah i think the reason why people are mad about this is because the reason why um, boris johnson has put forward this is because he wants to raise money for um social care and he said that by doing this he's going to raise 12 billion pounds to put towards that 
um obviously yeah. whilst it's good to put money towards social care it doesn't really make that much sense when you're using um when you're basically taxing the people who are probably going to need it the most in order to fund it um i think a lot of people's argument is that the um solution to all this should be to um tax those who are earning more um in order to help those who are earning less rather than taking mm -hmm. from literally everyone you know what i mean so yeah mm. i think the other thing as well is people are just annoyed because this literally goes against what they said in the conservatives said in their manifesto uh -huh. they literally said we're not going to raise any taxes and here we are and i know boris johnson's response has been yeah we broke this but um we didn't expect a pandemic but i'm also kind of like is that really an excuse no because at the same time people have had some of the hardest the hardest year and a half of their lives people that own up-and-coming businesses and small businesses have been hit so hard people in certain sectors like the business um business like the service industry the nightlife sector have been hit so hard by this pandemic that people have been unable to cope and now you know the furlough scheme and people have like had um to claim redundancies the massive companies have claimed redundancies now so you know it's crazy to see that after a year of like you know such financial hardship for some people to then be hit with increased tax as well i can't even imagine the stress it's kind of like as well um a lot of people that would choose to vote conservative would argue um oh i'm doing it because they are um, famous for um reducing taxes they don't like taxing people they mm -hmm. like there's this whole idea of you are, you keep what you earn whereas this is literally going against that so i'm kind of like i would for, for the people that vote conservative based on that i would be very interested to see what their response would be now that they are actually that, that's literally not happening that's the one thing that they could cling on to i don't understand possibly for people that um would choose to vote conservative based on that i don't understand necessarily what they would go to now i don't know <sighs> yeah i also, um, I am really interested to see who, when, when the next election happens, like who is going to win that. Because based off of this pandemic and how it's been handled, obviously poorly, um, that on one hand and stuff like this, like they've literally gone against exactly what it means to be a Tory government. You know, they're literally doing what, what Labour is known for, which is increasing taxes. So, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how, how they fare of voting-wise in the next general election. I think the trouble is, in my opinion, um, Labour isn't currently a strong opposing force. Yeah, which then it's there's been people who have said, "Oh, but this could be a good way for the Lib Dems to um, break through and kind of create this sort of middle ground in which people go mm -hmm. to." But I'm um, like, realistically, I don't know. I don't. I feel like I can't see enough people mobilising to actually do that. You know what I mean? Uh, me neither. And it's annoying. Um, okay, it's not annoying actually because I'm going to remain not biased. It's um, <laughs> it would remain. I my prediction would be that if people did vote for Lib Dem, the people that would vote for Lib Dem mostly would be people that had voted for Labour previously. I feel like it would split the vote there <laughs> a lot more than people who voted Tory. So I feel like the Tories would still be victorious in that sense. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, I don't know. British if, politics, if, mate. If Halima was here, she'd be saying, "This is why we need the revolution." 
Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> Get your pitchforks, guys. Oh. But outside the Rondell, let's go. <laughs> Just to be clear, that is an absolute joke. If anyone turns up outside the island with a pitchfork, <laughs> it's not on us. I'm sorry. I just get arrested for inciting a riot. Uh, but I bet the police are going to have enough on their hands today because um, at Manchester United, it's the first match with Cristiano Ronaldo there. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, why didn't we talk about this? Because what is there to talk about? Like, You're right. He, You're right. That's he's, it. He's back. <laughs> you know, like, you know, Harry Potter was like, he's back. It's like, yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo is back. Um, it was crazy, though, because I was doing some stuff setting up for the event this morning and was driving the, um, for those of you who don't know, this is the Bowlers Exhibition Centre, Kings of Army Piano 2, tonight, 9 till 4. Um, get your tickets while you can. Um, if but, anyone can promote an event, it's Carlos. Yeah. But basically, I was there, um, which is, is it's all Trafford, so it's all, like, the same area. And I drove past... Um, Old Trafford Stadium a few times, and people are already turning up at like 10 30, 11 a.m. Oh, the match god, doesn't start until three, like, and they were still like, Yeah, people are very excited, which is why I think that no one's going to be bothering about our potential person with a pitchfork outside the Arndale because they're going <laughs> to yeah. be too busy focusing on that. But I might be yeah. any other week, then obviously, yeah, hundreds yeah. of people would be there. Yeah, we have the power. Just to be clear, please, please don't do that. Please, please don't do that. Please don't head up outside the Arndale. Are you proud that I knew what that was? Yeah, you know what, actually? I didn't, it didn't clock, but yeah. How do you know what that is? I think I've been there, or I've at least been outside it uh, when I came to Manny for the weekend. Um, maybe? Is it near the train station? Manchester Piccadilly? Piccadilly. It's down, yeah. you were like down a hill to get to it. Like, not yeah, hill, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Okay. I'm impressed. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm an honorary northern person now. Well, I think you have to relocate to the north permanently before we give you that, but I'll I'll keep holding out for that one. <laughs> but yeah, we are going to play our interview now, so I'm probably going to bid you farewell, Simran, just because... Yeah, well, enjoy this interview with Krish MUA speaking about um, her inspirations in makeup, how she grew her small business, how she got into makeup, uh, her overnight viral fame, and then also the situation with a Love Island star. Sweet, we'll see you next week, Simran. Bye, guys. See Thank ya. you so much for joining me. Um, it's really great to speak with you today. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself. So my name's Karishma, I'm, I'm 24 and I've been doing social media influencing and makeup for the last three to four years. So as soon as I graduated from uni, I jumped straight into like starting my own small business. And basically the first thing I did was like focus on becoming an influencer, working with brands, doing collaborations with the brands I've always dreamt of working with. But as I gained practice and confidence, I realized I really want to go forward with doing bookings, bridal bookings, international bookings, working with celebrities and on set and stuff. So yeah, that's just a bit about me. How did you start getting into makeup initially? So I I really was, I've been a tomboy since forever. Like I've always in tracksuits and hoodies and I've just not been that girl that loved makeup. And then I had a very like severe episode of like cystic acne. So it really affected my confidence because I like I dance. So it affected me on stage a lot. And I was always nervous about being in front of people and them looking at my skin. So I had to learn makeup to 
know how to cover that. And I posted a video on Instagram basically talking about how it's affected my confidence. And I posted a makeup tutorial on how I cover up my acne because so many girls were messaging me um, saying, how do you like cover it up so flawlessly even though you have so much acne and so much textured skin and it went viral and I got reposted by like huge beauty bloggers and like it came in the newspapers and it came in like a lot of online like blogs and stuff like that and just like that it changed pretty much my life overnight um, I went from having like 500 followers to, uh, to 10,000 overnight so it did change my life and then I decided okay I think this is what I could do for a living because I initially wanted to go and do medicine and work in like dermatology and um, then I realized uh, I could be actually changing a lot more lives um, in terms of skincare and helping people with their acne because it's a very, very serious thing when you look at how it can affect someone's confidence and how it can, you know, your, your face is your introduction into every room before you say hello. So it is a very important thing. So yeah, that's how um, I got into it and Touch Red like it's been great and so many girls have found a personal connection with me through that. From there it went into makeup and it escalated into influencing and like fashion blogging as well. Like. I'm a curvy girl and it's not very common for an Asian curvy girl to be blogging and talking about it because it's quite um, negative to be a bigger girl in Asian society. I always get called out for it whenever I go out in public places. People are always telling me how to lose weight and this and that. And it's just, I'm that girl who decided enough is enough and let me show people like this isn't a downfall to be a curvy girl or a girl with acne or a girl who wears makeup or a girl who does influencing as a living. Great, that's super interesting. So, talking about the overnight success, how did that feel for you waking up one day and you were at from 500 to 10,000 followers just because of one viral makeup hack? It was crazy because I was stuck on 500 followers for a good, I would say, six months. And it was just my friends and family supporting me. And even they thought it was stupid. Like, I was getting so much backlash from my own family. They were like, this isn't going anywhere. You're putting so much time and energy into your content creation. It's really like not, it's just become a bit stagnant and you're not really seeing any kind of success. So I was really at a point where it was New Year's and I was like, make my resolution, I'm gonna work so hard, I'm gonna prove everyone wrong. And then on literally Jan the 3rd, that's when it happened. So like, I felt like that positive energy and it was just really great because it wasn't coming from random people across the world. It came from people who genuinely connected with what I had to say. Yeah, I see what you mean. So how did that turn into the brand that is Parish MUA now? So it became a bit of a thing where it was about promoting confidence and self-love and all of that that a lot of girls struggle with in this day and age because everything about social media comes from body image and how the perfect girls portrayed online. And if you look at a majority of influencers, I'm gonna go ahead and say 90% of influencers have this body that every girl looks up to, has the face that every girl wants to get cosmetic procedures to get. And these days, every girl on social media looks exactly the same because they all want the same cheeks, they all want the same jaws, they all want the same bodies. And it's exhausting living up to those beauty standards. And they're all Eurocentric beauty standards that Asian people physically cannot achieve. We cannot be 5'8 or 5'10 and because typically speaking, Asian girls are smaller and you know we have brown hair we have brown eyes and you know we have like I don't know wider hips so I don't know what it is but like there's a lot of characteristics that come down to genetics that we can't achieve so we have to surgically modify ourselves to be like these girls and it's sad to see that so I decided I wasn't going to be one of those girls and that is the brand in its own self Authentic authenticity yeah that's what <laughs> authenticity because that is at the end of the day the greatest currency the strongest currency in this world 
everything's been done. There's almost 8 billion people in this world. It's hard to be unique. So that is the brand in itself. Oh, I love that. I really like that. It's very unique and individual. You don't actually come across that very often. Like it's almost refreshing to hear something like that. Thank you. <laughs> um, kind of digressing slightly, but also trying to tie it in. What talking about Love Island now? Like, what are your thoughts about Love Island in general? The concept of the show and like this season. So Love Island is my guilty pleasure. Every single year, I am so invested. At one point, I was on a trip to Turkey and obviously I couldn't watch it like because ITV Hub doesn't work in Turkey. So I was trying to find the most random website to stream it because I was so addicted to it. Like it genuinely got to that point. So I love the show. I look forward to it every year. Um, so I'm definitely that person who sits there and waiting for it at nine o'clock every day. So. It was crazy that someone from Love Island contacted me because I get contacted by like people for like, for example, music video shoots or um, modeling shoots to do makeup and hair. But it was the first time someone who I saw on TV who I genuinely liked. Like there was an Indian girl at first, Shannon, and then there was another Indian girl. And I was like, this is representation at its finest. I'm glad to see it. Like, this is what we want to see. And obviously there was a lot of like negative remarks being made about Priya and it was she didn't have the best reputation due to like certain uh, political beliefs or certain like things that she said on air but ultimately I thought that she was a refreshing character and it was just nice to see brown girls on such a huge platform mm -hmm. so when she came and approached me to do her makeup for the Love Island um, reunion I was like so shocked I was running around my house telling everyone I was so happy because it gives you not only like the opportunity to speak with people but to be part of something that meant more than just a show because seeing someone from my like like country was a big thing and it is like when you really deep it and you think about it when do you see people with brown skin on such big platforms so for me it was an opportunity to be a part of that revolutionary thing um so yeah i was really happy when she initially contacted me and then from there it went a little bit downhill uh, which you can talk about if you want yeah if you want to briefly explain the situation we won't go into too much depth but just like cover yeah. it so um she messaged me saying she would like me to do her makeup on the 5th and 6th and i was flying out on the 6th to germany i said to her i would love to do your makeup and if you want me to cancel my flight on the 6th i will and i'll book a later flight just because i was so excited to work with her and it's an opportunity for me too so that's how far i was willing to go and um, so i was messaging her back and forth trying to get a reply out of her oh, i can understand she's incredibly busy so i wasn't like annoyed about it but i was like hey please can you let me know please can you let me know for four days straight what hair and makeup do you want what the where the venue is so i can plan my travel and i can give you a quote so from the very first day i made it very clear let me know where this place is and what style you want and how what we're creating here um so i can give you a quote so i'm pretty sure that telling someone i will give you a quote implies there's a payment involved and i i worked for free for a very long time and i know i've put my skills out there and like refined them to now i know my worth um, so uh, when she, when I then gave her a little bit of an invoice and I said, this is how much it will charge for hair and makeup and this is how much it will charge for travel. The travel costs were um, higher because she was two hours away from me. So I would have to get a cab into central London and back. And it would take me six hours on set to do touch-ups, um, to do basically red carpet makeup that looks perfect in photography. It looks perfect in artificial lighting and it just looks flawless in person as well. 
um, and that takes a lot of work and her hair as well so I said to her that the entire thing would take me seven hours so therefore I'm charging you 240 pounds and that's what I said and those are my standard rates they didn't fluctuate because she had a blue tick by her name or because she was now an up-and-coming celebrity um, so she then didn't reply to me for uh, that night and the next morning at 9.50, she messaged me saying, sorry, got to cancel. I didn't expect to be paying anyone this much. And to be very honest, since I've come out of the villa, I haven't had to pay for anything. Like with hair and makeup, it's all been in exchange for exposure. Now, the account that she actually messaged me on is my business account, which has just over a thousand followers. I'm pretty sure she thought that if she said, I'm going to cancel, I would turn around and beg her for the opportunity and say, you know what, it's fine, I'll do it for free. But I've been on social media for three years and I've built my following up to almost 200,000 followers. And she at the time had, I think, 90,000 followers. Now, I'm not one to look at followers or numbers or statistics or anything, but I was just thinking in my head, it's a bit confusing that she thinks that I need her exposure because I've been in this for a lot longer. So I was a bit confused, but I didn't say anything like that. I sent her a really respectful message that was just like saying, I'm really disappointed that you think I'd work for free. You're you're becoming a doctor. I'm sure you know a little something about being unappreciated and underpaid. So I wasn't expecting this. And I genuinely don't need the exposure or do I want it? I just wanted to work with you. But since you think my work isn't worth anything, um, it's fine, we can go ahead with the cancellation. And she just blocked me. Like, instead of sincerely apologizing and saying, I'm sorry that I basically disrespected what you do for a living, she made me feel this small and then she blocked me. So I thought, you know what? Celebrities get away with this way too often. She thought, this girl with a thousand followers, what is she gonna possibly do? Obviously, she didn't know that I do have a bit of a platform and I will probably speak out about it. And to be super honest, I'm not one for drama or tea or anything. I wouldn't have said anything had she not blocked me. So I just made like a funny TikTok and it went viral. It got like 1.1 million views on TikTok overnight. And then it got taken down by TikTok for bullying. And then it got put back up because they realized I was the one who was the victim here. <laughs> so they put it back up. And um, she personally messaged me saying sorry. I haven't replied to her yet because she, in her apology, even again pointed out that I was overcharging her. But she's probably making tons of money on brand deals at the moment. So I don't really understand. And, you know, I was getting so much support from people saying £240 is nothing, including travel, touch-ups, the entire day of work. Yeah. And, you know, I was just surprised that someone with that kind of reputation was out here just looking for freebies. Yeah, I see what you mean. So since the TikToks have come out, what has the aftermath been like? I mean, obviously you said people have been like quite supportive and understanding of mm. your point of view. Um, to be super honest, I wasn't trying to call out Priya as much as I was trying to call out her behavior, but it led to a lot of hate being sent her way. So even though I know that I'm so, I'm so happy that a lot of people are supportive of my cause and they were like, super understanding like why can someone um like call you out for your prices because she actually told my entire audience my prices by writing it in my comments saying i wasn't trying to scam you i just think 240 pounds is too much professionally speaking you don't tell someone someone else's prices it's just unprofessional so i was like you don't come to my place of work and expose my prices and stuff like that because it's just so unprofessional for you but cool and then I, now that gave me a really like bad kind of feeling about it, just bad vibes around the whole thing. Even then, even though she did me that, like she did me dirty like that, and even though she treated me like my profession is not important as hers, I felt bad because she got a lot of hate, and I kind of want to make like a bit of a statement now on my social media saying, guys, I understand that what she did was wrong, 
but ultimately no one deserves to be treated like that. You hear stories all the time about people's mental health just going, spiraling downwards after something like Love Island. It's such a high high and it's such a low low. So I don't want to be part of something so negative. But then again, creatives like me get exploited all the time because we're scared of losing an opportunity. So it becomes, should I do it for free and and get the opportunity or know my self-worth but lose a big opportunity like this? So the aftermath of it is I got a lot of support. I got so many people messaging me saying, this is ridiculous behavior. Why do these influencers think they can get away with it? And I am in the unique position where I am a small business and I'm an influencer. So I can understand where she was coming from. She's 23, she got hit with overnight fame. She probably just didn't know how to word herself. Like she probably just didn't know how to convey that. I don't want to pay this much. I probably would have been okay if she just said, I can't afford it, but she blocked me. And that's where it became personal. Cause it was like, I've respected you so much. I've been so lovely to you this entire process. Why did you feel the need to do that? So yeah, that's that. (laughs) What is your opinion on the idea of being paid in exposure in general? Like, especially for someone who doesn't have a platform or a following, someone who's just starting out in any industry in the creative sector. What What is your opinion on being paid in exposure by someone from a bigger or more influential platform? So, it's actually a very very great way of getting exposure when someone can actually give you that kind of exposure when that person can't it's very much like you're trading yourself worth for very little and it's not fair on you because it takes hours and hours to create content for a brand sometimes brands send me stuff for free and they say there is zero obligation for you to post anything because they respect that it takes time and effort to create content and i respect brands that treat me like that too but sometimes people do expect too much and i would say that it's part of the process up until you reach a certain point you do have to accept that the way to get in with these big brands and the way to get in with um, a certain type of people, a certain group of people increasing your following is through actually working for free for these brands, getting on their good side, getting reposted by them, getting recognized by them. But that is not at the detriment of your self-respect ever. So if you are struggling to build a following and a brand comes and speaks to you saying, would you create content for us for free? In return, we'll give you a hundred pounds or 200 pounds worth of products. That's an investment at the same time. But the word collaboration needs to be there. There needs to be a contract in place. The word exchange needs to be there. You cannot have anyone just having expectations. That's where the entitlement comes in. And that's why I think happens with these Love Islanders that the word collab the word exchange of exposure the word let's work together was never ever brought up it was i would like to book you so that was the confusion there but obviously for any up-and-coming influencers or people who want to get into this industry up until a certain point you will have to work for free and you will have to get in with these brands to then one day tell them i've worked for you for a really long time for free now it's time for you to return the favor and pay my bills a little bit yeah Yeah, completely fair enough. Um, What is your opinion or do you think actually it's a lot easier to become like an influencer these days or a social media personality or like these kind of like celebrities that arise really quickly through things like social media or um, TV shows like Love Island? Mm -hmm. So I think Love Island is a fast track ticket to fame um, and that's there's nothing negative about that because if you think about the aftermath of being on a show like Love Island having zero privacy constantly being attacked by paps constantly like having 
social media trolls on your side, like just constantly attacking you. There's a lot that you have to deal with once you come out of the villa. But yes, you have millions of followers, you get brand deals. You're now essentially making thousands of pounds a day just for posting pictures. And that's an incredible, incredible thing. So I actually don't see it as a negative thing, even though some people do. I think it's I think it's a genuine job. But I do feel like social media now has become very saturated there's a lot of people trying to do what what for example i'm doing or the girl just down the road is doing like you know having a camera and a tripod in your room doesn't make you an influencer you need to have a message behind what you're saying or there's just no conviction there um but i feel like it's very difficult now actually because because so many people are doing it if you don't have something new to bring to the table you'll be forgotten like that because like i said there's millions of users on social media you've got to bring something different to the table Great. And just to round off a little bit, um, so going back to you, who have you been your biggest inspiration kind of in the makeup and beauty industry? So in terms of makeup and beauty, I live up, I look up to a lot of girls who actually admire the fact that they're different in terms of genuinely accepting themselves. So I would say people who are like curvy models, such as Ashley Graham. I love Winnie Harlow as well. Um, I really like Huda Beauty just because she's so, um, inspiring with the content she creates and with the products she creates and everything like that um in terms of content creators i love also looking at girls who dancing and they're they're even though they're curvy and they get so much hate for being bigger girls online they are truly embracing it they're doing their makeup they're doing their fashion videos they're making people feel like it's okay to be a certain size or look a certain way or be a little bit different so i would any girl that kind of promotes that kind of individuality and like self-love that i'm a fan and what would be your one bit of advice for any young girl like looking up to you as a makeup artist or trying to maybe become one themselves my advice would be nothing is as it seems. No one is as happy as they look. No one is as perfect as they look. So don't worry about the filters. Don't worry about airbrushing your skin or like editing out your curves. Just absolutely love the process of loving yourself because it's a very difficult one and it will drain you and it will hurt you. And it will be so hard Like you will have bad days, but you always need to come out on top because there is no one like you. Great, and where can they find you last of all? So you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Krishmura or krishma.mua. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining me here on Manga Masala, Pirate Radio, South Asian show, Krish MUA. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So if you missed that, that is Krish MUA on Instagram. Also, krishma.the.mua on Instagram if you want to go follow and keep up to date with her makeup influencing etc um coming to the end of the show now we're going to finish with a track from jay mist this is night dreams it's a bit more of like a dance track but yeah thanks a lot everyone for tuning in we'll be back same time next week 3 to 5 p.m on pi radio manchester's number one youth radio station my name's Gerns, and this has been mango masala the south asian show